0: They'll be by the door to collect them, and uh, those of you who use the, uh, the app, you can just go ahead and hit send, all right, and that'll get where it needs to get to. So this is Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, weekend. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, and you might notice that we've got this old podium. That's here. How many of you guys remember this podium back from Teterboro when we were at uh, at North Street 370 North Street in Teterboro? This was my. I feel it feels like an old friend. I spent a lot of time behind this behind this pulpit, Uh, and uh, and the reason we're bringing it out here is we're doing something a little special uh, for Martin Luther King Day. Um, Actually, this is kind of a new tradition that we have. We started it last year, but we plan on continuing to do it. So I guess it is a tradition. So we've always done something to honor Martin Luther King and to talk about, you know, uh, some aspect of his ministry uh, during this weekend. And a couple of years ago, I was talking with Pastor Charles and was saying, like, "I, I think there's, you know, what more could we do? I think it would be good for us to lean into this a little bit more and celebrate a little bit more and, uh, and so Pastor Charles told me that, he said, well, I, I've done this thing in other churches where I can, I'll deliver an actual message that Dr. King gave kind of in character as Dr. Martin Luther King. And I said, that sounds awesome. Let's, let's give that a shot. And so we did it last year, and uh, it was really, I thought it was really wonderful because the thing about it is, you know, we, we're familiar with Dr. King's ministry, and we know uh, how he was, he was used to, to, to really to begin the civil rights movement to, uh, to abolish the Jim Crow laws that were in the South that were so incredibly unjust. And, and, you know, we know about that side of his ministry and him being a public persona. We've heard his speeches, you know, like the speech at the mall in, in D.C., the I Have a Dream speech. But maybe what we don't really understand is what a strong Christian Dr. King was that he was a pastor and he was someone who loved Jesus and he was someone his love for Jesus and his commitment to the gospel is what motivated everything that he did and uh, and so when you hear his sermons you really get a get a broader understanding of the spiritual foundation that he was coming from and and really how you know the kingdom of God was was operating in and through him and was the foundation of everything that he did and so uh, so today Pastor Charles is going to come out, and he's going to deliver a message, you know, a, a kind of in character as Dr. Martin Luther King. This message is called But If Not, and it was delivered at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia on no, in November 1967. And, and you'll, you know, it's, I think it's pretty powerful that this sermon was delivered five months before he was assassinated. And so as you listen to the message of this and you hear what he's saying, I think when you understand historically what, what's going to happen five months from delivering this sermon, it even makes it more powerful and more, it resonates even more. All right. So, so without any further ado, uh, here is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.
1: But if not, there was a day when many of the Israelites found themselves in bondage in Babylon. There was a king of Babylon by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. You read about him a good deal in the book of Daniel, and it stands as an epic that will remain stenciled in the mental sheets of unfolding generations. Nebuchadnezzar was a mighty king, and when he ruled, he ruled, and when he issued an order, he meant business, and Nebuchadnezzar issued such an order. He made a golden image, and his order was that everybody under the reign of his kingship had to bow before that golden image and worship it. Now, those of you who read the Bible are familiar with this story. One day, Nebuchadnezzar called in the judges and the governors and the sheriffs, and they had a dedicatory service for this golden image. And then he said to them, I'm instructing you to see that everybody bows before this golden image and worships it. But there were these three young men. One's name was Shadrach, one's name was Meshach, and the other's name was Abednego. And they answered, as I read it here from scripture, and they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful in how we answer thee, but, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now I want you to notice first that these young men practice civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is the refusal to abide by any order of the government or the state or even the court that your conscience tells you is unjust. Civil disobedience is based on a commitment to conscience. In other words, one who practices civil disobedience is obedient to what he considers a higher law. And there comes a time when a moral man must say that they can't obey a law which his conscience tells him is unjust. And I tell you this morning, my friends, that history has moved on, and great moments have often come forth because there were those individuals in every age and every generation who were willing to say, I will be obedient to a higher law. You see, these three young men were saying, I must be disobedient to a king in order to be obedient to the king. And those people who so often criticize those of us who come to those moments when we must practice civil disobedience never remember that even right here in America, in order to get free from the oppression and the colonialism of the British Empire, our nation practiced civil disobedience for well-represented civil disobedience more than the Boston Tea Party. And never forget that everything that Hitler did in Germany was legal. It was legal to do everything that Hitler did to the Jews. It was a law in Germany that Hitler issued himself that it was wrong and illegal to aid and comfort a Jew in Hitler's Germany. But I tell you that if I had lived in Hitler's Germany with my attitude, I would have openly disobeyed that law. I would have practiced civil disobedience. And so it is important to see that there are times when a man-made law is out of harmony with the moral law of the universe. There are times when a human law is out of harmony with the eternal divine laws. And when that happens, you have an obligation to break it. And I'm happy that in breaking it, I have some good company I have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I have Jesus, and I have all the early Christians who refused to bow. Now, the second interesting point is that these men never doubted God and his power. As they did what they did, they made it clear that they knew that God had the power to spare them. They said to the king, Now we know that the God that we worship is able to deliver us. And this grew out of their experience. They had known God. They had experienced God in nature. And they knew God as creator. They had seen God in history. And they had seen God, I'm sure, in their own personal lives. They never doubted God's power to deliver them. But let me move on. Let me get to the basic point of the message this morning. If we forget everything that I've said, I hope you won't forget this. And it came at the point after they said, Our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, but if he doesn't deliver us, we still aren't going to bow. But if not, do you get that? These men were saying our faith is so deep and that we found something so dear and so precious that nothing can turn us away from it. Our God is able to deliver us, but if not, this simply means, my friends, that the ultimate test of one's faith is in his ability to say, but if not. You see, there's something that you may call an if faith. And then there's the though faith. And the permanent faith, the lasting faith, the powerful faith is the though faith. You see, the if faith says, if all goes well, if life is hopeful, prosperous, and happy, if I don't have to go to jail, if I don't have to face the agonies and burdens of life, if I'm never called bad names because of taking a stand for that which I feel I must take, If none of these things happen, then I'll have faith in God. Then I'll be all right. That's the if faith. You know a lot of people have an if faith. Jacob found himself in this dilemma once himself. And his faith was contingent on an if. He said, now if God will be with me and if he will keep me in this way that I go... And if God will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on and make it so that when I come to my father's house, I come in peace and the Lord will be my God. That's the if faith. Jacob hadn't quite gotten to the essence of religion. But then there's the though faith. And the though, faith says, though things go wrong, though evil is temporarily triumphant, though sickness comes and the cross looms, nevertheless, I'm going to believe anyway, and I'm going to have faith anyway. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, old Job, he got to this type of faith You see, he had everything taken away from him. And even his wife said to him, Now what you ought to do, brother Job, is curse God and die. God has been unkind to you, and you should have let God know a long time ago that you would only follow him if he allowed you to stay rich, if he allowed you to keep your cattle. You ought to curse him and die, Job, because he hasn't treated you right. But Job said, honey, I'm sorry, but my faith is deeper than that. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. My faith is a though faith. And you see, this is the essence of life and religion. The question is whether or not you're going to have an if faith or a though faith. You know what this says in substance that ultimately, religion is not a bargaining matter. A lot of people bargain with God. If you just let me avoid pain, God, if you allow me to be happy in all of its dimensions, if you don't allow any suffering to come, if you don't allow frustrating moments to come, then I'll be all right. I'll give you a tenth of my income. I'll go to church. I'll have faith in you. But religion is not a bargaining matter. It's not a commercial relationship, and you know no great experience in the bargaining atmosphere. Think of friendship. Think of love. Think of marriage. These things are not based on an if. They are based on a though. These great experiences aren't based on a bargaining relationship, not an if faith, but a though faith. And I'm coming to my conclusion now. And I want to say to you all this morning, my friends, that somewhere along the way you should discover something so dear, so precious to you, something that is so eternally worthy that you will never give it up. You ought to discover some principle. You ought to have some great faith that grips you so much that you will never give it up somehow. You must go on to say that I know that the God that I worship is able to deliver me. But if not, I'm going to go on anyhow. I'm going to stand up for it anyway. What does this mean? It means in the final analysis, you do right not to avoid hell. For if you are doing right merely to keep from going to something that traditional theology has called hell, then you aren't doing right. If you do right merely to go to a condition that theologians call heaven, then you aren't doing right. If you are doing right to avoid pain and to achieve happiness and pleasure, then you aren't doing right. Ultimately, you must do right because it's right to do right. You got to say, but if not, you must love ultimately because it's lovely to love. You must be just because it is right to be just. You must be honest because it's right to be honest. This is what the text is saying more than anything else. And finally, you must do it because it has gripped you so much that you are willing to die for it if necessary. And I say to you this morning that if you have never found something so dear, so precious, that you are willing to die for it, then you aren't fit to live. You may be 38 years old, as I happen to be, and one day some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great cause or principle or issue, and you refuse to do it because you're afraid. You refuse to do it because you wanna live longer. You're afraid that you will lose your job or you're afraid that you will be criticized or that you'll lose your popularity. Or you're afraid that someone will stab you or shoot you, bomb your house, and so you refuse to take a stand. Well, you may go on and live until you are 90, but you're just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. You see, the cessation of breathing in your life is but a belated announcement of an earlier death of the Spirit. You died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You died when you refused to stand up for justice. These boys stand before us today, and I thank God for them, for they had found something. The fiery furnace couldn't stop them from believing. They said, throw us into the fiery furnace. But you know the interesting thing is the Bible talks about a miracle because they had faith enough to say, but if not, God was with them as an eternal companion. And this is what I want to say finally. There's a reward if you do right for righteousness' sake. It says that somehow that burning fire furnace was transformed into an air-conditioned living room. (laughs) Somebody looked in there and said, we put three in here, but now we see four. Don't ever think that you're by yourself. Go on to jail if it's necessary, but you'll never go alone. Take a stand for that which is right in the world, may misunderstand you, criticize you, but you'll never go alone. For somewhere I read that one with God is a majority. For God has a way of transforming a minority into a majority. Walk with him this morning and believe in him and do what is right. And he will be with you even until the consummation of the ages. Yes, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sins breakers dash and trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, never alone. He promised never to leave me alone. Where are you going this morning, my friends? Tell the world that you're going with truth. You're going with justice. You're going with goodness. And then you will have an eternal companionship. And the world will look at you and will understand you. For your fiery furnace will be around you, but you'll go on anyhow. But if not... I will not bow, and God grant us that we will never bow before the gods of evil.
0: Right. So that was a God is able to deliver us, not. And uh, just to kind of wrap this up, uh, you know, I'm wondering if maybe maybe some of us who are hearing this right now are going through our own fiery furnace, because we all do that. We go through some of us. You know, we came through this past year, and, and maybe there was a really difficult fiery furnace that you went through. Um, maybe you're in the midst of one right now. All of us are probably going to face some kind of fiery furnace, something that we're not expecting, something that we're we're not counting on that's going to happen this year or the year after. These are moments in our life where we say, you know, I, I've I've built my life on the foundation that God loves me, but it doesn't really feel like he loves me right now. Because if he loved me, he wouldn't would he would he let me go through this? You know, and, and it's a it's a challenge, it's a difficulty, or maybe you feel like I'm standing up for what's right i 'm standing up for justice i 'm standing up for what's true i'm standing up for for the things that God wants me to stand up for but but there's nothing but opposition there's nothing but difficulty and I think about Dr. King and you know we have a we are, here we are you know fifty years later, continue, you know honoring him would have been nice if we honored him a little bit while he was alive right we all We have this like tendency we'll honor people when they're dead, but we resist them when they're alive and and, uh, you know, maybe you're going through something where you feel like, I'm, I'm standing up for what's true. I'm standing up for what's right. But there's nothing but difficulty. There's nothing but, op- uh, but opposition. And when we go through these moments, you know, I find that, that God is really at work. I've seen in my life that when I've gone through the fiery furnace, these are the times that I've grown the most. When you're going through those really hard times where you, where you say, like Job, you know, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And you say, even though this is painful, even though this is hard, even though this doesn't make sense, I'm going to continue to trust God. I'm going to continue to worship God. I'm going to continue to praise God. I have found that it's when I've gone through these moments with that attitude that that's when my faith grew strongest. That when you go, you never enjoy those moments when you're going through them. But when you look back, you say, wow, you know what? My faith, like the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I think it's when, we, when we're in that fiery furnace that our faith becomes more substantial. Because it's kind of like everything else gets stripped away. And we just kind of realize that, you know what? I have Jesus, and Jesus is more than enough. And so when you go through that time and everything gets stripped away and Jesus reveals himself, it changes you. And it stays with you, and your faith has more substance. And so for those of you who are going through the fiery furnace right now. I just want to end this. I just want to encourage you by reading the, the, the end of the story from Daniel chapter 3. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 25 to 27, right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And so, you know, remember the heat was so high, it was turned up so high, that even the, the people who, the guards who threw them in, they got burned up just throwing them in. And so they're in the fiery furnace, and they should have just like burned up immediately. But Nebuchadnezzar, it says in verse 25, it said, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, prom- in the province of Babylon. So for those of you who are going through the fiery furnace right now, there are four things that I want to pray for, four things that I see in this text here. And the first and probably the most important is that you would be aware that Jesus is with you in the fire. Because as they saw someone, who was shining like, the, like a son of the gods. It was Jesus that was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm convinced of that. And so that in the fire, that you would know that Jesus is with you, whatever it is you're dealing with, because the fire, the fiery furnace has a way of stripping away everything that, that distracts us but ultimately isn't important and showing us what really matters. And so I pray for you that as you're in the fiery furnace right now, whatever it is, that you would know that Jesus is with you and that you would be sure of that, and that you would come out of this season, that you come out of the fire with a stronger connection to Jesus than ever before, where you realize that if God is for me, if Jesus is with me, who can be against me? And I pray that, that the fire will not harm you, that the fire will not harm you. I love that it says that they came out of the fire, their, their, their hair wasn't singed, their clothes didn't even smell like smoke, and that as you come out of this fire, that you won't come out bitter, that you won't come out hopeless, that you won't come out angry and disappointed, that you won't come out feeling like a victim, but that you'll come out knowing that you're more than a conqueror. Because Jesus is with you and Jesus has brought you through, and that your clothes don't even smell like smoke, that the that the the stink of like bitterness and disappointment isn't on you, but rather it's the aroma, the fragrance of knowing, or the fragrance of the spirit, of knowing that God is with you and that God is that you're safe and secure no matter what. And I pray that you will have opportunities to testify to those around you about how Jesus makes a way. I love, I love how how uh, when they came out, you know, everybody they they crowded around and they were absolutely amazed by what had happened, and and they just they said uh, they said no other God can save in this way. No, I love that. That's what everyone said. This, no other God can save in this way. And as you give testimony about your struggle and about your time in the fire, that those who hear your testimony would say, wow, I don't know how you came through like that. No other God can save in this way. And then the last thing I want to pray for you, and we'll just, let's all stand together. And the last thing that I want to pray is that those of you who are going through the fire right now, who are going through the the fiery furnace right now, notice that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, they were promoted. There was a promotion. And so I think that there are times, there are things that we go through. There are tests that we go through. And when we come out with our eyes on Jesus, when we come out praising God and trusting him no matter what, there's promotion. And so I want to pray that as, as, as God is with you in this fiery furnace, that he'll bring you out into a promotion of greater authority, greater influence, greater doors open, that maybe for some of you, like what it is you've been hoping for and you've been seeking in your life, and now you see this fiery furnace that you're going through as something that is, that is, a, that is blocking you from all the things that God has for you, that maybe it's not blocking, maybe it's actually the pathway for you to come into everything that God has for you. And so, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would come and that you would encourage all of us right now. Lord, if we're, if we're coming out of the fire or we're in the fire, or God, I know probably all of us are going to go in the fire at some point. Lord, I pray, God, that we would know that you are with us. Lord, I pray specifically for those who are going through it, those who are brokenhearted, those who are disappointed, those who are hopeless. God, I pray, Jesus, that you right now would reveal yourself as one who shines like like a son of the gods in the fiery furnace with them. Lord, may they know your presence. May they know your comfort. May they know the strength that only comes from you. And I pray, God, that they would come out of this season knowing greater than they've ever known before that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. You're with them till the end of the age. And God, I pray... That as we go through these fiery furnaces, God, I pray that you would preserve us. I pray that you would keep us. And God, I pray that you would give us the faith to testify of your goodness. Lord, that we would be able to, to talk about your, your provision and your faithfulness and your goodness. And Lord, just just how you sustain us and how your, your joy is our strength how we can praise you in the midst of anything, Lord, in such a way that you would receive honor and glory and that people would say, no God can save like this God can save. And God, I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, as we're getting ready, Lord, to come into everything that you have for us for 2022, Lord, I pray that you would give us faith to trust you, especially in the midst of our disappointments and our difficulties. And, Lord, I pray, God, that things that, that Satan meant to destroy and discourage, God, that you would turn these things around and you would use them to propel, propel us forward. Lord, that it would lead to advancement. And so, God, I pray that as we go through these fiery furnaces as we trust you, Lord, that there would be greater anointing, that there would be greater provision, that there would be greater influence. Lord, that our lives would result in that there'd be greater fruitfulness and greater glory to you. Lord, that there would be advancement and promotion for your glory because we trust in you. So come, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would come and minister to each and every one of us right now. God, we thank you for Dr. King's life. We thank you for his legacy. And God, I just pray that that in the same way, Lord, as, as, Lord, as as David was faithful to you in his generation, as Dr. King was faithful to you in his generation. God, I pray that you'd help us to rise up, Lord, in every way as we proclaim your gospel and as we seek your justice. Lord, as we seek your kingdom coming, that we, Lord, as we go into this new year, that we would be faithful to you in our generation. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.